Welcome everyone, I'm Hayley Millard and I'm the K-6 Literacy Advisor with the New South Wales Department of Education and I'm joined here today by our K-12 Literacy Coordinator, Shannon Salvestro. Hello Shannon. Hello Hayley. All right, well I'm really excited to be here today because we're talking about best practice in the assessment of reading. Um, and, and before we do get started, I should say that today we are going to discuss some specific assessment tools which are available for New South Wales Department of Education teachers. So if you're listening to us today from outside of New South Wales, you might just like to do a little bit of research and find equivalent tools in, in your area. But you certainly might still be interested in this discussion that we're having here today. Now, look, we really want to support schools as we move away from more traditional methods for assessment and monitoring. And we really want to empower teachers to become diagnostic in their observations of students in order to inform planning and teaching, which is really grounded in the evidence base. And um, here it's, I think, really important that before we dive into this discussion, we come at this topic with a shared understanding of that evidence base that the New South Wales DOE holds at the core of our support and our resources for teaching reading. So we do need to have a shared understanding of the essential components of skilled reading. Absolutely, that's right. So we'll look, here in the DOE, we do have a number of frameworks for understanding those cognitive processes involved in skilled reading. And really, when I reflect on my own teaching journey, perhaps the most powerful framework uh, for myself in shifting my own practice has been that of Scarborough's Reading Rope. It's a fantastically simple metaphor, actually, which describes a really um, the cognitive processes that are quite complex. Yeah, look, I think it's probably worth um, just spending a little bit of time on the rope itself before we launch into a discussion about assessment. Um, So Dr Hollis Scarborough has built on the simple view of reading to create this interweaving of the strands of a rope and each of those strands represent each of the components or cognitive processes which come together in order for skilled reading to occur. So Hayley, maybe you can um, just have a chat to us about the um, components of the rope. Sure. So um, now Scarborough has split the processes of reading into two parts. So we've got language comprehension or what we would call the upper strands of the reading rope. And then we've got word recognition and they're the lower strands of the reading rope. And then um, Dr. Hollis Scarborough has further broken those parts down into their components or strands. So word recognition is made up of phonological awareness, decoding and sight recognition. And then the upper strands of the rope consist of background knowledge, vocabulary, literacy knowledge, verbal reasoning and language structures. And it's really important that we as teachers understand and explicitly teach these components of reading. Uh Aha. Now, language comprehension and what we might have called reading comprehension are different, aren't they? Hayley, could you explain the the difference between the two? 
Sure thing, because this is actually a really important distinction to make between um, the learning to read phase and the reading to learn phase that we might see in our students. And we need to understand that when we are talking about emergent readers, we really are talking about a stage in a child's development of reading where those strands have not yet you know, woven together to the point of automaticity. That is, these children are still learning to lift the words off the page using their phonological awareness, their decoding skills, their phonic knowledge and their sight recognition. And this is really quite hard. This is cognitively effortful. And while some children might display a certain level of understanding of what they're reading, that certainly wouldn't be my focus for their instruction during uh, a guided reading session as their teacher. Now, as, as a teacher of these emergent readers, I'd probably be teaching and assessing language comprehension differently um, and probably through the exposure to rich texts, uh, through really rich and deep discussion and the explicit teaching of things like vo uh, vocabulary and verbal reasoning. And I, actually, I suppose that's another important thing to note as we begin to discuss assessment because we need to understand where our students sit on their progression on the rope. You know, are they uh, emergent readers whose strands are still quite separate or have they start to become, um, you know, to woven together in, in a more strategic and automatic way? Or perhaps their strands have come together completely and, and nicely and they're beginning to gain meaning from the text that they read. Mm, that's a good point. Um, we really do actually have the tools required to support our understanding of the developmental pathway because we've got the national literacy learning progression um, and that clearly outlines I, I guess the the common or typical pathway in the development of reading and we could use it as a tool to both like monitor a student's progress and make informed decisions about what might be the next focus of instruction but what I really like about the progression is that it also deepens our insight as teachers on those typical um, developmental pathways of a student's reading skills. And because of that, we can use it as a tool to diagnose gaps in a student's reading behaviours. And I actually really like the alignment with the rope framework and the literacy progression. Mm, that's right. It's really useful as teachers, isn't it? Because yeah. I find that there are there are really explicit links between the evidence base um, and the literacy learning progression and the curriculum. And these are actually really easy to find. If we think on the strands of the rope for a moment, we have strands like phonological awareness, we've got fluency, phonic knowledge and word recognition and vocabulary. And they're all explicitly linked in the learning progression because they've all each got their own sub element of the progression. And then we've also got implicit links to the evidence base in the learning progression. So if you think about a verbal reasoning strand, um, that's, you know, interwoven throughout the understanding text sub-element as well. Yeah, um, this might be a good point to have a, a recap here so, so that we do have that shared understanding of the evidence base. What do you think, Kaylee? Yeah, sure. Okay, so... Just recapping, if we understand that skilled reading is what happens when a series of complex cognitive processes come together with automaticity, um, and we are also supported in our understanding of our students through the National Literacy Learning Progression, 
which I can use and I can monitor and track my students' progress using um, online tools such as Plan 2, this really means that as a teacher, I have everything I need to move away from more traditional methods for assessment and levelling students towards a more evidence-based approach where I can really feel confident and I suppose be diagnostic in my observations and assessment of students as they learn to read. Yeah, I think that is an important point there because we know that assigning a a child or a student to a particular reading level doesn't give the full picture and can't possibly capture the full range of cognitive processes that we know are a part of reading because reading is what happens when a number of um, complex processes all come together. And we want to empower teachers as the experts to make judgments about where a student is at in their reading development and how that student is able to bring those components together. Now would be actually a really great time to think about some real classroom examples so that we can sort of illustrate that thought process uh, that might go into this more diagnostic approach to reading assessment. Yeah, that sounds great. So we've... We can listen uh, now to a recording of a, a, a student. And I'll before we start, though, I'll just give you some context. So this student that um, you're about to hear has moved beyond the simple code and has moved into learning and using the extended code. So she's starting to use more complex phonic knowledge. And we'll actually hear that the teacher has decided to ask some questions to probe the student's understanding as the teacher thinks that some of the strands of the rope are starting to come together for this student. Should we listen? That sounds great. The lion's final act was in... Progress. Progress. Jack stood... Wanting, waiting, waiting to clear the ring. The thud, thunder outside the circle, no, circus tent, made the lions rested. Restless? Restless. Saturday. Suddenly. Suddenly, Tina the lion, tamer. Trainer. Trainer. Stuck. Stumbled. Stumbled. Her whip fell. The young... Youngest? Youngest lion sprang. Sprang to... Toward... Towards? Towards her. Jack left. Jack leaped. Swiftly. Swiftly inside the cage. Cranking. Cracking. Cracking his whip. That doesn't make sense. Cracking his whip. Oh yeah, I get it. Cracking his whip with great skill. His prompt. Prompt act. Action. Enabled. Yep, that's right. Enabled. Enabled Tina to get 
to get regain regain control quickly after that brief advent adventure jack decided on upon upon his future work right where did the story take place um at the circus yeah that's right and were the lions near the beginning near the middle or near the end of their act uh, near the end. That's right, well done. Um, and what was Jack waiting for? Uh, to take the lions away. Mm-hmm. And why were the lions feeling restless? Because of the storm, the thunder. That's exactly right. And so what happened to Tina? She lost control. Oh. And what did Jack do to help? He cracked his whip to get the lions in control. Good. And then who finished the act? Tina did. Yeah, that's right. And then what did Jack decide after his adventure? That he would become a lion trainer? Yeah, a lion tamer. That's right. Okay. We could hear there that the reading sounded um, almost painfully slow and it, it was actually full of errors. Her fluency, I think, was impacted as a result of that. And... Um, did you hear that the decoding was such an effort for her? And look, I think it seems unlikely that she can also consider the meanings of the words. She's struggling to read or to connect up the sentences to make sense of the passage as a whole. She actually does make uh, more than sort of a dozen errors. Mm, and actually it was really interesting to hear that she made some substitutions when she was reading. Um, I remember that she said lion tamer instead of trainer. And yeah. that to me, that really points to the fact that she has got the requisite background knowledge and vocabulary around the topic of circuses. And I think that that's actually what's really supporting her basic understanding of the text. Um, and I actually, I, I feel like she might be relying on those strategies to solve the words that she's coming across in her reading rather than having a really solid sort of decoding strategies. Yeah, that's right. And look, I'd be concerned that if she were to apply um, her strategies to a text where she doesn't have that vocabulary and background knowledge, she would actually really struggle. So I think as a as if I was her teacher, my next steps would be in actually going back and diagnosing exactly where this um, student has gaps in her phonic knowledge and blending skills, as we could just hear that they just weren't coming together to that level of automaticity. So I'd the first thing I would do is go to the online phonics diagnostic assessment. Um, that would be my first port of call here. And actually another tool that I could also use would be the fluency assessment tool. Mm -hmm. New South Wales um, teachers have access to on the Learning Resource Hub. And um, what it does is it helps you to rate the fluent reading ability of students using a fluency scale. So you're looking for things like expression, volume, rhythm, phrasing, smoothness and automaticity. And um, I think this is important because we know that fluency is that bridge between word recognition and language comprehension. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And and look, what I like about those tools that we've sort of, you know, you've pointed to there, 
um, is I know that the online phonics diagnostic assessment, that updates my plan two data automatically. So as a teacher, that's going to save me lots of time. Um, and I also know that that fluency assessment tool on the hub there, that's linked to the literacy progression. So I could use that data and enter that data into plan two as well, as well as add any other observations that I might have made during her reading. Yeah, that's right. You can you can always add in those um, those teacher judgments um, into into plan two to give that uh, overall picture. And you know, we also have um, three different tools for assessing vocabulary. So it those tools include a knowledge scale and a vocab recognition tool. So for New South Wales. Um, teachers and staff they can access those on the learning resource hub and I should also point out that the hub not only like houses those assessment tools but it also has some teaching resources which uh, teachers might be able to use in their classroom to target their teaching around some of those focus areas that have been revealed as part of using the the assessment tools yeah, wonderful. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely worth noting. So I suppose I think that the key takeaway from our discussion today is that we really want to empower teachers as the experts and we want them to feel confident that they have the evidence, they have the knowledge and the expertise to be diagnosticians and to really assess, monitor and track reading in a much more granular way than we might have done before. Yeah, I might just add in there that um, I think by doing that, we really then start to focus on the reading behaviours that we see that a student has rather than just deciding what level a student is on. So, yeah, I think that's important. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I'm really excited that we've been able to have this discussion here today um, and really you know, support teachers and schools in um, their best practice around their assessment practices as well. Um, so thank you for joining me today, Shannon. Yeah, thank you. Look, it was good just to have a, a discussion just to get us to start thinking about our current approaches to reading assessment and where we might be able to start thinking about um, shifts, making shifts in our practice. Yeah, for sure. And look, we will provide some links to further reading in the podcast notes. And of course, if teachers or schools would like any support with anything to do with literacy or numeracy, they can contact us. Uh, the email address is literacy.numeracy at We look forward to joining you again soon. Thanks for joining us today. Goodbye.